Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. And welcome to the Rob Laws Q3 2021 Earnings Q&A. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I'll now hand the conference over to you, speaker, today. Anna Yen, Head of Investor Relations. Thank you. Please go ahead, ma'am. Morning, everyone, and thank you for joining our Q&A session to discuss Roblox's third quarter 2021 results. With me today is Roblox CEO David Buzuki and CFO Mike Guthrie. Before we start, I want to remind everyone that yesterday after market close, we published a shareholder letter and earnings results on our investor relations website at ir.roblox.com. Since the letter provides a lot of details, we'll make some brief opening remarks and reserve the rest of the time for your questions. For our webcast participants, please note the question icon at the bottom of your screen where you can type in your questions. We'll do our best to take as many questions as possible. On today's call, we may be making forward-looking statements, including but not limited to statements regarding our future financial performance, business strategy, plans, and new platform features, development of new technologies and developer tools, investment in the developer community, and our talent, payments to developers, our ability to bring new music, recording artists, and brands to the platform, the success of events on platform, investments in international growth, the development of the metaverse, Investor Day, and October financial performance and operating metrics. Any statement that refers to expectations, projections, or other characterizations of future events, including financial projections, future market conditions, or the impact of COVID-19 on our business and the economy as a whole is a forward-looking statement based on assumptions today. Actual results may differ materially from those expressed in these forward-looking statements, and we make no obligation to update our disclosures. For more information about factors that may cause actual results to differ materially from forward-looking statements, please refer to the press release we issued yesterday, as well as risks described in our filings with the SEC, including our quarterly report on Form 10-Q filed, by the, filed for the fiscal quarter and in June 30, 2021, and other filings and reports we may make with the SEC from time to time. We will also discuss certain non-GAAP financial measures. These measures should not be considered in isolation from or as a substitute for financial information prepared in accordance with GAAP. Reconciliations between GAAP and non-GAAP metrics for our reported results can be found in our press release issued yesterday, as well as in our supplemental materials, copies of which can be found on our Investor Relations website. Finally, this call is being webcast and will be archived on our website shortly afterwards. With that, I'll turn the call over to David. Thank you, Anna, and good morning to both our Roblox shareholders as well as the whole Roblox community around the world. We uh, we wish you all well. We hope you're all coming out of COVID and getting back to normal as much as possible. And we look forward to answering your questions today where we'll talk about our Q3 results as well as the month of October, which we've also shared. I do highlight that in a week from now on November 16th, we have a live streaming investor day at, I believe, 8 a.m. Pacific time, where we'll be spending several hours diving into our product stack across the company. 
with that, we welcome your questions and look forward to speaking with you today. Thank you. Operator, ready to take questions. At this time, if you would like to ask an audio question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Once again, that is star, then the number one for any audio questions. Your first question will come from the line of Alexia Quadriana with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead with your question. Uh, thank you. This is David Kronofsky on for Alexia. Um, following the outage, can you say what user trends look like on the platform? Did you see an immediate recovery and engagement and spend? And then maybe related to this, could you just remind us of a typical monthly cadence in Q4? How does November compare to October? And then kind of how much of a ramp do you historically see with the holiday group? Yeah, this is Dave. I'll lead with the outage, which was an event that we're going to publish an analysis of publicly to share what happened, as well as all the steps we're taking to make sure such a thing doesn't happen again. We were quite um, gratified to see the support of the Roblox community as we worked through it. And we're also quite pleased to see when we came back live, essentially no loss of users and continuation of our user trends. I'll pass over to Mike for any future comments. Yeah, hey, David. Um, first week of November looked really good. Uh, it was basically a recovery back to where we had been. So we didn't see, we were, we were fortunate in that we didn't see any um, lasting impact on, on users. So. Um, we were obviously happy to see that. <clears throat> As it relates to seasonality, you know, Q4 is uh, generally our biggest quarter, and it's back-end loaded because of the holidays, so no great surprise. October and November generally pretty similar. Um, so, uh, you know, that's just sort of going back many, many years and looking at the two, the two months. We see a bunch of pickup, as you would expect, around Thanksgiving when people are uh, home a little bit more. So, yeah, so generally I would say you know, we had a good solid 27 days of October and, and good trends. And when we came back up, it looked like we um, users came back with us in lockstep. Okay, and then with the uh, platform now, majority 13 plus for DAUs, I'm wondering if you would expect the percentage of experiences that qualify as aged up to move to that level over time. You know, meaning are you seeing developers sort of react to this mix and, and build more mature content and then now, how much do you think that can accelerate with tools like voice chat or, or the rating system you previewed at RDC? Yeah, hey, this is Dave. We have, um, you know, we've been building this platform for over 16 years, and one of the keys is that it's powered by user-created content, millions of creators who make everything on Roblox. As we've um, grown up, too, as we've improved the quality of our personalized search and discovery, more and more the people on our platform are finding amazing content that is very aligned with what they're looking for. And our creator community is very responsive to the, the wants and needs of the player community. Interesting, a year ago, approximately 10% of our top 1,000 experiences had more over 13 players than under. Uh, recently, that number has gone to 28%. So 28% of the top 1,000 experiences are now more 13-plus. So 
the developer community is responding, creating amazing content for all ages, for people around the world, for interests. Um, there are niche pieces of content. There are very broad spectrum pieces of content. So what we wanted to see happening is happening. Thank you. Your next question will come from the line of Mike King with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead with your question. Hey, good morning. Thanks for the question. I just have two. Um, first, with APAC and rest of the world particularly strong from an engagement perspective, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about any initiatives that Roblox is executing against from an international expansion perspective and whether there were any experiences that particularly resonated with international users. And then I have a quick follow-up. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to kick that over to Mike first because we had a great Q3 in APAC uh, highlighted by Japan. So maybe, Mike, if you want to speak to that, and then I'll follow up with what we do to support international growth and acceleration. Yeah, I don't think we could point to any specific piece of content or pieces of content that were just dramatically different in Asia-Pacific. Generally, you have a decent amount of overlap around the world. We are seeing increasingly uh, increasing amounts of affinity for local content in certain markets. So as, as developers are growing in and around Asia-Pacific, as in the rest of the world, they will start building or have started building content that is relevant globally and relevant in those local markets. And so um, I, there's no specific um, spike this quarter. I think this is a much longer-term trend that we've seen developing as the dev base has become more global. We'll talk a little bit about this at the investor investor day next week, um, but it's just a good, solid compounding of the trends that we've been seeing of local content becoming, you know, more more content developed around the world and some of the affinity for local content increasing. And then one thing that is um, that drives our international growth is the extent to which we can dynamically and automatically translate experiences as they are created and the extent to which developers, if need be, supplement that with hand translation. And that technology is continuously improving both the quality of the translation as well as the percentage of the experiences that by default have this on. So that, that is a contributing factor more in strategic international growth. Great. Thank you for the thoughts. And um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the traction with brand experiences. Um, you mentioned Vans World in the letter. Um, are these brands participating on the platform in the same way that others do in a UGC or self-serve capacity? Or are, are brand experiences higher touch right now, and, and does that change over time? Thank you very much. Yeah, I, this is Dave. Long-term the vision for brands is the exact same as games or play experiences in that we imagine an ecosystem where there are thousands and thousands of these experiences. They are created in concert between brands and possibly creators and developer communities. But just as 16 years ago, games and play experiences were new on Roblox, this is relatively new for some of them. So there is some touch now in our develop in our um, investor day next week, we'll be sharing the parts of the roadmap we're working on this year to make that as self-service as possible. And that includes the creation, uh, the way they deal with IP and assets, how they may, if they choose to monetize, 
the, the high-level vision we have is just as print and just as video have been and continue to be interesting ways for brands to interact with their audience. Immersive is really immersive way for brands to interact with their audience. And as you noted with Vans World, which had over 40 million visits, people who visited uh, Vans World were able to wear Vans, go skateboarding, check out the shop, see what new items Van had, Vans had for sale. So it's a really immersive way for brands to connect with their fans. Great. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Mike. We have one from the webcast, Thomas Rainer from Altimeter. Uh, can you discuss the monetization trends internationally versus Canada and U.S. year to date? You've invested a lot in localization and in back end. Is monetization internationally growing faster than U.S. and Canada? Thanks, Thomas. Um, I'll have to go back and look at the rate of change of monetization. Um, I'd say right now we're in the part of growth internationally where it's very much driven by user growth. And over time, going back many years in our core markets, we've seen users, um, uh, they retain on the platform, they spend a cumulative amount of time, some percentage of them convert and become payers. Once they become payers and are retained as payers, uh, they tend to increase their spending uh, levels. I think that's happening faster now in international markets for a whole variety of reasons, primarily because you've just got a smarter uh, creator base with better content, and so people are becoming payers faster and um, starting to increase their monetization faster. Right now, again, we generally are looking at bookings growth as driven primarily by user and engagement growth. Um, we get we get the question a lot about about the, the ratios between you know uh, monetization per user and I'll, I'll just caution that when you have high bookings growth and high user growth, just the, the the rate of change in the numerator and denominator can make numbers look like they're going up or down. Generally, our trends with monetization over a very long period of time is that those payer cohorts tend to increase in monetization over a very long period of time. So if we go back to core markets like U.S. and Canada, we still have growth in our payer cohorts going all the way back to 2016. And we, we expect that we're going to see the same behavior in international markets, in particular in Asia-Pacific. Um, when I look at the high, high growth markets in, um, in the quarter that we, that we just completed, um, the, the really high growth markets are Southeast Asia, East Asia, which is mostly Japan and Korea, Western Europe, which we've been talking about a lot, France and Germany, Spain and others, and then Latin America. And so in some of those markets, you've got a very wealthy user base. In other markets, you have slightly lower GDP per capita. So there'll be a real mix. And I guess, you know, I don't know that we'll be forecasting exactly that ratio for a while, but we'll be looking a lot at users' engagement and the resultant bookings. And that, that's really where we're, where we're going to be focused. Your next audio question will come from the line of Brennan Ross with LightShed Partners. Please go ahead with your question. Hi. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, my first one, you highlighted the aging up and um, the number of experiences that are 13-plus. And I was curious if cultural events like Squid Games or Squid Game, that is, um, or 21 Pilots um, bring in even older users and whether those um, stick around. And generally, how you thought about your aging up, do you think it's going to be 
or or has it been so far just adjacent um, to your core demo, um, or are you bringing in older um, users? And then I have a follow-up. Uh, so, so the, great question. First, I want to highlight, right now we don't have any only 13 and up experiences. We have 28% of the top 1,000 experiences having a majority of 13 plus, but those are still experiences that are open to all ages. We, we talk a lot about aging up. We're right in the middle of it, and we're right in the middle of very solid growth in our 17 through 24-year-old cohort. The, the exciting thing about these, the older cohorts on our platform is there's a lot of white space there. We've historically started with younger players. It's been an amazing advantage to us because we've had to focus on being a civil and safe place. And now we see growth in two areas. One is the existing Roblox player base is growing up with us. So, so that is a retention opportunity to bring them with us. But as you correctly note, we also bring other people in. Squid Games, the concerts, both examples of events we believe most likely reach some new audience. Um, in the case of Squid Games, looking for, and that's singular Squid Game, um, people looking for a place to experience that brand side by side, the awesome, you know, the awesome show. Um, and so they came to Roblox where they, they could see that. So I do believe those things add to the retained people that come into our platform and stick with us and bring new older players to the platform. Yeah, so we just did a quick add. We knew, I, I, we know that Gucci Gardens had an older demo uh, for sure uh, in the month of September. It was, a, it was quite a bit of an older demo. Each of these individual pieces of content, I think, contributes to an overall trend of, of broadening the, the, um, the age demographic around the company. So. It's a receptive market when you do something like 21 Pilots or Gucci Gardens. But clearly, you know, music is a good example where an artist that has an older following, it's, it's quite likely that they're going to have an older following inside Roblox and it's going to attract um, uh, some of those users. We have been tracking aged up uh, demos for years. And for a long time, 13 to 16 was our fastest growing age demographic. And I think you used the word adjacent. And that's exactly what it, what it was. It was adjacent to our core 9 to 12 market, and it was our fastest growing age cohort for quite a while. Today, the adjacency has continued, and right now, 17 to 24 is the fastest growing age demographic um, on Roblox. So I, I, I think it's, it's, um, it's not any individual event or piece of content. I think it's a, it's a combination of, of everything that's going on, and then certain of these things are finding um, you know, big audiences and contributing to, again, this broadening in, in age demos. I, I just want to riff one other thing on Squid Game and implicit in what happened on our platform in various countries around the world where there's a lot of attraction and attention about this, it highlights the velocity at which both the combination of our cloud tools, our development environment, and the creators on the platform are able to respond and create interesting and immersive content. We weren't talking months, we were talking days for functioning experiences that could go hand in hand with the TV series. Yeah, I, I want to stick on Squid Game for a second. Um, and I know, I think you said earlier you might touch on this in the analyst day. Um, 
But is there a way to directly link the brands and media companies to help them maximize the impact from this high velocity of UGC um, creation that's going on around their business on the platform? I think more and more this is right. This was more an organic situation. More and more I, I believe we will see intentional situations. A couple days ago, for example, one of the top experiences on Roblox Jailbreak announced an intentional partnership with NASCAR, um, which is an awesome brand experience. There, there's already a, a great place on Roblox where people are driving cool vehicles around, and all of a sudden we have NASCAR vehicles. So I, I do think over time we will see both uh, organic experiences as well as intentional experiences. Even though this one is organic, I don't want to speak for Netflix, but I have seen quotes about the, their appreciation almost in a way that this, this media sensation in a way has manifested itself in other, in other ways on Roblox. Yeah, another um, an intentional category, another thing we mentioned in the letter, again, with Netflix was, uh, was Bakugan. So that's another example of something that was quite intentional to stream that a full-length episode on the platform. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Nowak with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead with your question. Hi, guys. It's uh, Matt on for Brian. Th thanks for taking the questions. Um, I guess th there have been some headlines uh, in, in, in recent weeks about some smaller companies that are that are basically building ad businesses that help place ads inside of, of Roblox experiences. And I was wondering, you know, what your philosophical view is on, on those sort of avenues for brands to come to the platform and, and how you see them fitting into the broader branding and, and advertising opportunity in, in, in Roblox. And then just secondly, you know, on, on, uh, on, on closing, closing the loop to maybe offline transactions, it seems like there's a big opportunity for people to interact with brands, uh, you know, on, on Roblox and then, you know, make purchases of physical goods. So, you know, if a kid is playing with Hot Wheels and, you know, in, in, a, in a Roblox game, you know, they then go buy actual real-life Hot Wheels cars. Can you talk about um, your, your thought process and, and your efforts to sort of maybe start to link uh, that brand experience to offline dollars? Thanks. Yeah, this is Dave. I'll, I'll speak on the advertising first, and I'm going to um, go more long view on this rather than the specific. The long view is we have focused primarily to date on the engagement and the satisfaction of our users more than monetization on the platform, and we have built systems, including our virtual economy and engagement-based payouts, that has already created a very rich and vibrant developer community with large businesses, some of our developers making tens of millions of dollars a year. Advertising is an enormous opportunity, and at the same time, our vision for advertising is immersive, it's native, it's around high-quality experiences, and over time we'll be working on rolling out both the standards around this, how, how this is supported globally. And we do think there's an interesting and big future and at the same time a very high quality branded advertising type future. So uh, super, super optimistic about that. Um, on your second question, I believe, about um, brands 
Maybe uh, Mike, if you want to you take that one? Yeah, we're, um, we see the same exact opportunity, Matt, that you're describing and are in the very earliest stages of talking to brands about that. For now, they're promoting their brands directly with the user base. I think it's logical to all of us that eventually you would have a user who is not only interacting with a brand in a virtual world or even buying virtual goods using um, maybe Vans, again, as an example, maybe has um, Vans clothing on, on their avatars and ultimately saying they would like to own those shoes or those shorts or those T-shirts. And so we, we see it as well. And uh, we, we ultimately do think, in fact, it's a big experience, a big opportunity. It, it obviously, for the brand, it would take all of the returns of being on Roblox up to a different level. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's um, I, I don't think there's any doubt in the long run that's where we'll end up. Maybe, uh, maybe a first sign of this was our partnership with Chipotle, where this wasn't a full-on um, buying your van shoes on Roblox, but there was a physical digital connection there. I just want to reiterate our outage was in no way affiliated with the popularity of that event. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from our Drew Crom with Cycle. Please go with your question. Okay. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. So given the recent developments in China, can you share any updated thoughts around the company's strategy in this market? And then separately, uh, understanding you're saving more explanation around the cause of the outage for a later date, if you're willing, can you discuss how this influences or changes where you direct resources and investment spending going forward? Yeah, first I'll go to China. You know, we take a super long view in the company, and we have a vision of a platform that connects around the world where content created anywhere is able to be experienced by people anywhere. And we keep our head down around the world in all countries, including China there. And we're continuing to build out the system um, that make that possible. And once again, we have a wonderful partnership in China with Tencent and, you know, remain diligent there. On the uh, outage, I what, what I will share is that what we saw in the outage is really the value that we have of respecting our community and uh, a lot of highlighting around how big Roblox is a part of people's lives and how they use it and depend on it to be together. So I think it's fair to say as part of our analysis and then as we share what we'll be doing to make sure this never happens again, there may be some adjustments. I think minor. We have an awesome team. I have complete confidence in the team, and we have an awesome infrastructure. There may be some adjustments that we take uh, just to follow up on that analysis. Your next question will come from the line of Matthew Thornton with Truist Securities. Please go ahead with your question. Hey, good morning, uh, David, Mike, and Anna. Um, I guess just just first around subscription. Um, is, is subscription accretive to engagement and and retention? And and given some of the app stores, the fact that they've lowered uh, the the take rate on subscription, thus the unique economics get better for you guys. Uh, is there opportunity to maybe drive up subscription or accelerate subscription in the mix, thus being able to return 
uh, more dollars to developers. So a little bit of a, a win-win there. I'll, I'll start there, and then I've got one uh, one follow-up. So just quick answer: um, subscription is accretive to retention and to monetization. There's, there's no doubt about that. And then I'll I'll riff on uh, the second part. We great partners with both Apple and Google and all of our other partners, Microsoft, that uh, provide routes for people to be on our platform and support monetization. We as much as possible, would like to move money to our creator community. And I think as any changes occur on any of these platforms and as those rates change, we would take that opportunity if made available to us to move more of that virtual economy through our company to the creator community. So uh, long-term, yes, if those app store rates happen to change, we'll move the majority of it to our creator community and provide them even greater economic benefits. Great. And then maybe just a quick quick follow-up, I guess maybe a two-part two part housekeeping question. Uh, can you remind us, you, uh, Mike, you talked about November uh, recovering you know, post-outage and being off to a solid start. Can you kind of remind us normal seasonality, November and December, and then uh, you guys did three small acquisitions in the quarter, I guess. Uh, anything you could say, just kind of what, what kind of contribution those would uh, have been to uh, to bookings. Thanks, guys. Yeah, maybe the second question first. Um, very exciting and strategic transactions. We're pleased to have um, some great uh, people on the team that came in uh, with those transactions, some entrepreneurs who had started really interesting businesses, and it's great to have them at Roblox. They contributed uh, $0 to the bookings of the company, so it was really um, IP and capabilities and people, and we're, we're delighted uh, with all the transactions. Um, in terms of November, uh, as I said earlier, November and October are pretty similar. Uh, one fewer day in November, obviously, uh, but, um, and, you know, I'd have to look at the weekend to, if I was trying, <laughs> trying to forecast the number. Uh, you know, we always do a little bit more on the weekends. And then, obviously, around the Thanksgiving holiday, that's a big, that's a big bump up for us in the month of November. Um, you can look at, you know, last year's data, October and November were pretty similar, and December was, you know, not quite double the October-November numbers, but... Um, but pretty close, uh, probably 80% higher or something like that. So we have a big, big back end in, in uh, Q4 with December, and that's just been true forever. Your next question will come from the line of Clark Lampin with BTIG. Please go with your question. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a tech-related question first. Uh, you guys talked about infrastructure expansion to reduce latency at RDC. Uh, I'm curious if you could help us think about, one, how much spend might accelerate over the next few years and whether something like ITS could scale as you keep growing due to AI. Uh, and second, what sort of relationship or elasticity exists between user growth and latency reductions for growth at a retention standpoint? Um, and separately, Dave, I think nearly everything on your list of five-year goals was checked off with the exception of the president mentioning their avatar on camera and, uh, I guess, a push on the toy sold item. You still got some time on both of those, but I'm curious whether you started drawing up the next version of the list and whether you might share with us what item or items are sitting at the top now. 
Hey, yeah, thank you. Great question. And, and that is a list that I've been presenting every year at our Roblox Developer Conference that started four years ago with a set of 10 predictions that uh, amazingly many of them have come true, including over a million concurrency in a Roblox place, more creators outside the world than in. There are a couple ones, um, as you note, we might not hit, including the president mentioning their Roblox avatar live. Um, but we still have about 11 months, so we'll see what we can do there. Getting to infrastructure, uh, a couple things. We've architected Roblox to reduce latency even in an avatar interaction between a player in Germany and a player in Japan. And underlying that tech is a hybrid distributed physics system where some of what you're seeing is happening local on your machine, including your avatar motion. And then some of it's happening in the cloud and then we're time slicing it along with the player that's remote. So at its core, we've really worked to reduce that latency. Now, the way we've accelerated that is we have many, many data centers all around the world. We have one in Poland. We have, we're building one in India. We have one in Singapore. And whenever possible, we connect people together at their nearest data centers. These are high-performance, high-reliability data centers that we support and build at very, very low cost. And as you correctly note, given that we operate this infrastructure, there's a lot of opportunities we have that we have not tapped yet to improve latency reduction. An example, um, we have an amazing collection of CDN vendors out there that distribute content. There could be a future where some of that content comes straight from our data centers. Uh, we have a lot of bandwidth around the world so that people who are connecting perhaps in Japan and need to hop over to Ashburn do it on our network rather than on the IP network to get a more high-speed and reliable connection. So underneath uh, Roblox, there is a fairly substantial infrastructure cloud. Um, uh, we are close to 10 terabits of external bandwidth, which is just a, a sign of how solid our infrastructure is. And we have other things we're looking at to reduce latency as well as part of this cloud infra that we've built. So I appreciate the technical question. There are no further audio questions at this time. Great. We're going to take some from um, our virtual listeners. First, um, the question is, as, well, as Roblox grows and becomes mainstream for older audiences, how will you present inappropriate content um, from the other players? Yeah, we're, we're already doing this. And I see the metrics every week. They are already really good, and they keep getting better and better. It's really the top priority on the platform. I feel we're in a really good position in that we're starting from a difficult place, which is create a civil society for people of all ages. And then as we bring more and more older players onto the platform, we're carefully adding uh, amounts of freedom in certain situations while always respecting our core foundation of safety and civility. So it's a top priority. We're already doing it. We already have a lot of older people on the platform. Over half of our people are over 13 plus. And so this is something we're doing and we'll continue to do better and better as we go. Great. Uh, the next question is from Eric Fong from Hitchwood. How do you view the offering of play to earn 
or play to own, which is popping up in blockchain-based games like Axie Infinity. Is this something you would consider adopting over time? Yeah, we, you know, we're focused on social connection and engagement at Roblox. We're focused on supporting people doing things together, whether it's playing or learning or working or experiencing entertainment. And our, our focus is on supporting that naturally and virally. People want to come to our platform just to be with their friends. Speaking of game mechanics, uh, we right now do not allow any experiences on Roblox to ultimately pay back Robux to the players, so we don't have any plans to do that. Uh, the next question from Thomas Soya from Okarna Capital. Hi, David. Could you share your vision on retaining developers and creators? How are you looking at the developer and creator compensation in the future? And how is the general developer and creator feedback on the current state of things regarding how much they make out of experience and items? Yeah, so when we think about this creator community, we've evolved over the last 10 plus years from a thriving hobby community to the introduction of our virtual economy to individuals starting to make a living on the platform to larger and larger studios making tens of millions of dollars a year, to now in the news, um, a fair amount of VC funding of Roblox Studios to grow and accelerate. So that progression is an indication of the health of the community. We, we focus primarily on growing user engagement and the quality of that experience to grow the platform. As our platform has grown year by year, whether it's developer number one, developer number 10, developer 100, or developer 1,000, we've seen constant increases in their participation in the economy, and we're hopeful and we expect that to continue going forward. So the primary means of retention for developers on our platform is a thriving, growing ecosystem, uh, larger opportunities for developers, existing developers being more and more economically successful, and more opportunities for new developers. So I think it's fair to say our retention is based on the long view, quality, size of opportunity, um, opportunity for devs, rather than specific retention mechanisms. And that long view also goes to the quality of our tool set. It goes to the search and discovery built in the platform. It's built into the 200 million plus people already on the platform and ability to gain new audience. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just would add, we're, we've been so vocal about moving more and more of the economics to the developers as we get efficiencies around the company and around the platform in any area of cost, we try to move that out to the developer. And the, the synergy between the growth in the platform and the payouts to developers has been fantastic. So the, the quality of what the developers are able to produce has yielded such great economics. Um, two years ago, in the third quarter of 2019, the entire developer community earned $26 million. In 3Q of 20, it was $85 million. And in 3Q of this year, it's $130 million. So that's 5x in two years. And so we're thrilled with that kind of growth. And we're just going to continue to put our heads down and work on ways with the community to grow that number, and as if you followed us from the time we 
did our listing. Actually, if you followed us when we were a private company, we talked incessantly about pushing more and more of the economics out to the community, and uh, we will just continue to make progress against that, you know, every quarter. Um, Francisco Oliveira from Arvelo Capital is asking, is there any particular um, acquisition strategy you're targeting? Uh, there is, and it's a strategy that really goes to the basics and goes again to our Longview vision, which is finding amazing groups of people and amazing technologies that we can generally integrate into our Roblox platform. We're in an enviable position, I believe, where there's a lot of growth available to our company with our the current growth vectors we've shared with everyone, which is around the world, all ages, and new interesting ways that people will interact on Roblox, learning, working, consuming entertainment. So that puts us in a position where everything we do focuses on the core platform. So given the, the range of technologies on the platform, you can imagine the various areas we're looking for amazing people and great technology complements. Um, I think we have maybe time for two more. One is from Peter Lieberman from Sakura. Can you comment on the roadmap for education experiences? How is enveloping integrated into robots? Yeah, we're going to share our educational roadmap at our investor day in a week, and Rebecca will be diving into that. We, we're excited in that we're going to be announcing some partnerships to our Roblox Community Fund where Roblox is being used not just to learn computer science, but also to learn STEM, to learn creative, constructive um, ways of learning. And we'll, you'll see some partnerships with some very notable educational institutes that we'll be talking about. Uh, on Embellus, it's an amazing group of people. And Embellus technology was around um, helping us find especially creative and problem-solving type people to join our company. Um, and we're using it right now live in production as we start to bring amazing people to Roblox. Then the last question comes from Dan Sang from Angle Capital. Can you provide any learnings from your spatial voice test and what are key milestones they should, that the uh, investor should look for as we move, move towards voice communication over time? Yeah, the learnings uh, started well over a year ago when we, I guess almost a year ago, when we did a holiday party on Roblox. And um, in the midst of COVID, I was able to hang out with a bunch of the people and um, at the bar in our holiday party. And, and I, it was a great connection. I, I had missed it so much. We can see it now in the adoption of spatial voice uh, amongst the experiences on Roblox as we carefully roll that out and open up the availability to the various customer base. Um, we'll talk more about this as well at our investor day, but we think this is a huge part of Roblox's future, which is allowing people to come together in a natural way, um, especially in groups, uh, especially at our Roblox company meeting, um, have impromptu conversations like they would in the real world and ultimately work, play, and learn together. So more to come at Investor Day on this. That's all the time we have for today. Yeah, just once again, thank you all to our shareholders and to our Roblox community. We appreciate your support. And we look forward to seeing you in a week um, for our Investor Day. Thank you. That's it, operator. Thanks.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Goodbye.